You're listening to MND Matters, a podcast from the MND Association. Welcome to MND Matters, brought to you by the MND Association. Alongside members of the MND community, we bring stories, information, and expertise direct to your ears. Remember to subscribe to ensure you don't miss an episode. Hello, I'm Helen, and I'm a regional fundraiser at the MD Association. And I'm Chris, and I'm Director of External Affairs at the MD Association. In this episode, we're going to be chatting to you all about campaigning with people living and affected by MD. The MD Association has a really proud history of campaigning and advocacy. Essentially, it's all about pushing for change to make life better for the MD community and to ensure that people with MND get what they need when they need it. Over the last year at the association, the policy and campaigns team working in collaboration with coalition partners has had brilliant successes, including the Scrap Six Months campaign and the United to End MND campaign. And we can't do this without all the hard work of all our campaign supporters and volunteers who really make a huge difference to those campaigns. Campaigning can and does take shape in all different ways and our guests on the, today's podcast are certainly going to highlight this. So I'm delighted to introduce today's podcast guests. Please say hello to Sue Heal, Nicola Waters and Andrew Lua, MBE MP. Sue is a tireless campaign volunteer at the MD Association who's worked on a number of campaigns, both locally and nationally for the, for the MND Association on behalf of people with MND. And Nicola is a tenacious and fearless campaigner and a member of the Patients United to End MND group and a member of the Coalition to United to End MND. And Andrew is a committed and extremely supportive chair of the All Parliamentary Group on MND. All three are here to share some insight on campaigning and from their unique perspectives will be able to tell us about how campaigning works, how this work is essential to improving the lives of people living with and affected by MND and how you can get involved in campaigning. Thank you all so much for, for being here with us today. So we'd just like to start by uh, asking you a few questions to get an idea of your, your background and experience in campaigning uh, for, for MND. Um, Sue, uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm going to start with you. Um, perhaps you could tell us a bit more about how you got involved in campaigning and, and why did you become a campaigns volunteer for the MND Association? Thank you, Chris. Yes, after losing my husband to motor neurone disease with frontotemporal dementia, I was invited to join the Norfolk, Norwich and Waveney branch committee. Jim and I had received really wonderful support and friendship from our two association visitors and others in the branch. So I said yes. I started with the branch newsletter and later the website, but I never thought of myself as a campaigner. I attended a workshop run by the campaigns team and I still wasn't convinced that this was what I really wanted to do. But then came the MND Charter and I read it. And it was a statement of the respect, care and support that I really believed people living with MND and their carers should expect. And it felt so right. It addressed issues that Jim and I had experienced. And then I knew I had to get involved. So I agreed to write to my Norfolk County councillor and two days later we were sat in my living room discussing bringing emotion to the council. 
The motion was put to the Adult Social Care Committee. The adoption of the charter was passed unanimously in January 2017. And Alice, who was the campaign's manager for the East, came to provide moral support on the day, interviewed me for the post. And I think you might well say the rest is history. I, I was asked to save the date for a training weekend. I think that's when I first met Chris. Um, I met people like Dave Setters and Katie Stiles, who were just inspirational and really made me feel part of a very close-knit team. So I was a newcomer, but I was welcomed. And I think that is something I would say to anybody who's, who's thinking of campaigning with the association. You will find so much help and support from others. But anyway, they convinced me that I really wanted to arrange a meeting with George Freeman MP, my local MP. <gasps> Gulp. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and actually, it wasn't so bad. And it wasn't long before I was providing regular campaigns updates for the committee, speaking at some of our branch open meetings. And the role just snowballed from there. Uh, meetings with councils, CCGs, MPs across Norfolk and Waveney. It just grew. It sounds it sounds like you have made um, such an incredible difference um, to so many people's lives affected by MND by um, by starting on that journey and, and not just starting, just kind of really getting involved in, in every aspect of, of campaigning. Thank you so much, Sue. Nicola, can um, can you tell us a bit about your experience of MND and, and how you then also started on your campaigning journey? Yeah, so I've um, I was diagnosed with MND three years ago. Um, it started off with a sort of just sort of tripping up now and then, and um, I'm very fortunate. I'm a slower progressor, so um, unlike many people with MND, I do still have the ability to get involved in things. So I'm very conscious, really feel a responsibility to to get involved and to do what I can to help the MND community. And my particular interest is research. And that's when I was sort of had to leave work. You know, I'm, I was used to sort of being busy with work. And then I busied myself looking into research, reading what was coming up, really amazed at the developments that there are, um, how exciting really the research arena was. So I started off putting a few sort of tweets and through that got in touch with Professor Al Chalabi, who's one of our leading researchers. He reached out to me on Twitter and then in touch with Lee Millard and Dave Setters, who were the two patients who started the United to End MND campaign. Uh, Sue's already mentioned Dave as inspirational. I certainly agree with that. Um, and then really sort of got involved and really echo what Sue has said, what a welcoming community it is. And really the MNDA, I think, are really, you know, just wonderfully supportive of patients getting involved, um, listening to patients we're not always I think particularly patients can be very impatient probably quite demanding we want it done yesterday and all I've ever experienced really from the MNDA is a sort of real graciousness and you know really trying to, to sort of meet what we ask of them so it is it has been a great experience. Fabulous to hear because obviously we we're really um 
keen that that everything is is co-designed and, and co-produced with with obviously your your lived experience and, and everything that you bring to to what we're we're trying to do is so important to the association yeah i'd echo that and i think also nicola you talked about being impatient i think uh, as as people with MND and people living with MND, you make us impatient because we recognise that impatience and that drives us along. So I think that that's really important in our campaigning. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so Andrew, if I, if I could come to you and uh, could you, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the All Party Parliamentary Group on MND, uh, what it does and, and how you came to be involved in the group really. Yes, thank you. It's great to be here. Um, I mean, all party parliamentary groups are quite a significant part of parliamentary life these days and there are a there are a huge vast number of them but there are a much more limited number of them that are active and effective and those two things aren't always the same either but mm -hmm. um, obviously uh, and I know we would say this wouldn't we but it is true that our all party parliamentary group uh, for MND is one of the most active and most effective groups in Parliament, extremely well known. So I came into the Westminster from being a member of the European Parliament, where they have things called intergroups, which are very similar topic based groups. And I always found those very interesting. So I was keen to do something similar uh, here in Westminster. And uh, the headquarters of the Motor Neurone Disease Association is in Northampton, my, my constituency is Northampton South, and uh, it therefore seemed a very obvious group to be involved with, although at the time I had no particular idea of how in-depth the involvement would be, just, you know, national charity based in, in Northampton and therefore made sense to, to get together. Um, uh, joined the uh, all-party parliamentary group soon after becoming an MP in 2017, uh, became a vice chairman in 2018 uh, and then there was a, a, a as there often is a, a, a changes uh, at the December 2019 general election which meant that the uh, the, the former uh, chairman Madeline Moon uh, lost her seat uh, and I was therefore asked in December 19 whether I'd step up to become chairman which uh, which I did and it really adds an extra important dimension to my life as an MP it gives me the opportunity to campaign, as we've just heard, and, and push forward a worthwhile cause and uh, work with colleagues across party, which happens a lot more behind the scene here than you would think from television news and what have you, that actually behind the scenes MPs of all parties quite often work together and work well together on issues that they uh, that they care about. And, uh, you know, I feel the responsibility because the all party group is actually 20 years old this year and so it's great to be the chairman at that time and, and i hope we can make the most of that anniversary to help raise awareness even more thanks andrew i think that's really important uh, that 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 commitment of uh, for you as of you as the chair and the other officers that really drive the appg along because as you say that they, they do vary that some of them uh, are more active than others and i think the appg in my experience with the association is it's been a massive asset to our campaigning and uh, I'm, I'm always so pleased when we get such great attendance uh, from parliamentarians at the meetings, which which is really encouraging and, and everybody's really supportive. So uh, I think it makes a big difference to our campaigning and, 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 and getting the change that we want to see. So thank you for that. That's absolutely brilliant. 
I, th I think what's um, really uh, amazing and, and wonderful is that all, all three of you have come to campaigning for for such different reasons and, and from, from such different backgrounds and it just kind of shows how um, varied our, our campaigning network and, and our volunteers and our supporters are and it really doesn't matter what experience you have of, of MND there's um, there's a place and, and a way for you for you to get involved and, and have your voice heard. Um, Sue, is it um, is it possible for you to tell us a, maybe a little bit more then about um, your involvement with the Scrap Six Months campaign? I think having worked within the branch um, organising support meetings, I'd, I'd heard people talk about their experiences with benefits. I remembered our own experience of applying for disability living allowance, the very long forms to fill in. Um, in April 2018, before the campaign was launched, I was asked to meet with Peter Alders, MP for Waveney, and I'd gone along with um, a branch member who'd been experiencing difficulties getting a DS1500 to use the special rules for terminal illness. And I started to realise, talking to him and to Martin, just what problems people were facing with the special rules for terminal illness, which was supposedly intended to enable people to access benefits more quickly without having to fill in long forms, undergo face-to-face -face assessments or wait weeks for payments. And there were really two major problems with the special rules that we could see. First was the six month eligibility criteria restricting access to people with a limited expectation of death within six months. And the second was the three year benefit award duration, where I'd heard of people who were having to reapply at the end of three years because they'd been lucky enough actually to outlive their prognosis. Because as we know, MND is one of those conditions that is very variable. It's very difficult to predict how your disease will progress. So when in 21st of June 2018, I think that the campaign was launched, I was standing outside um, Norwich City Hall lit in blue and orange with a group of councillors and other branch members. And I talked a little bit about what I'd read about the campaign, but essentially it had two main aims. Scrap the six month rule, scrap the three year award period. And you asked me, so, you know, what did I do? Well, there were a number of things over the years. I mean, one was the petition launched in December 2018. And this was to demonstrate to the government that there was strong support for change in the law. The aim was 17,000 signatures, the number of people who had died while waiting for a decision on their benefits from 2013 to 2018. I wrote to the local press, I spoke at local U3A meetings, I knocked on doors in Wyndham in Norfolk, <laughs> asking neighbours to sign the petition. My daughter helped with social media because I was very much a novice at that stage. Um, we put things in the branch newsletter, put things on the branch website, encouraging people to sign. And of course, campaigners across the country were doing the same thing. So when that petition was actually um, handed in, I forget the figure, what was it? 55,435 signatures. Um, handed in to Downing Street on August 2019. 
over the course of the campaign, one of the things I tried to do was build relationships with all of the local MPs in Norfolk and Waveney. There are 10 of them. And this is where having the e-actions that the campaigns team launch was really helpful because I could extract the email information, personalise it, send it to the MPs and then follow up. And one of the things I often did, of course, was invite them to the APPG on MND. And many of them have attended over the years. But of course, in writing to them, they would often come back at me with questions which I had to research and answer, sometimes through personal experience, sometimes with help from Alison and Lana. But it really is so helpful that you always know that there is backup there to help you out. Then in July 2019, I was invited, along with other campaigners, to join the parliamentary drop-in hosted by the MND Association, Marie Curie, and the APPG on terminal illness. And two of my MPs, or two of the local MPs, I should say, turned up. Um, and then in November 2019, I was invited to attend the Conservative Party conference, and I had the opportunity to ask questions about all manner of campaigns, but particularly um, you know, about how to progress the Scrap Six Months campaign. And so time went on, there were announcements and Northern Ireland would scrap the six months rule. Um, a review, of course, had been announced back in July 2019 by then Secretary for the Department of Work and Pensions, Amber Rudd. And we waited and we waited and we waited and the MPs asked oral questions, written questions, they, they wrote on our behalf. And then suddenly it seemed um, we had the announcement from Justin Tomlinson on 8th July. Yes, there will be a change. Wonderful. We welcomed it. Um, he confirmed that the special rules which led to fast-track benefit applications for those with a terminal diagnosis of six months to be replaced with a new 12-month end-of-life definition. And I think we all thought, yeah, that is really good news. And it is. And we are so happy about it. But this, in a sense, is just the beginning. Of course, we're still waiting. And as yet, I don't think we really know, you know what is going to happen to the three-year award. So it's still a work in progress. And I would say to anyone thinking of getting involved in campaigning, it's not a quick fix. It, it takes forever. This is three years, but we have a result. And there's a wonderful feeling when you have that result, you think, yes, it was worth all the time we put in. And I think, again, I would just reinforce you know there's a sense when you work with your association of the sheer camaraderie amongst the campaigner and the campaigns team the knowledge there's always somebody there you can turn to for help um i think the strap line was if you can help a little we can help a lot well that is so true that is that is a lovely strap line isn't it <laughs> that is well um i think I mean, you say, you know, it's taken a long time and, you know, the dedication of of all those involved in, in the campaign um, must be applauded. And you 
it's taken a long time but you've come so far and I think it is it is right to celebrate and take stock of the scrap six months campaign today I think um as of today it's it's included over 75,000 people um and and that collective voice that that louder voice has has made a difference and yes there's you know still more work to be done as there always will be um but it's yeah thank you sue for everything that that you've done in in kind of shouting about the the need um and and the importance of of the campaign excellent thanks sue uh and uh, sue mentioned um, the apg a few times there andrew uh when she was talking about the campaign um how do you think the apg helped the scrap six months see what, what kind of did you see as its role in order to to achieve this well it, it played a vital role really in terms of um drawing <clears throat> drawing the threads together drawing the things that people want to achieve into some sort of coherent and coordinated campaign using the experience of parliamentarians but also using the experience of the motor neuron disease association which has always been very good at knowing how to how to pull the levers and how to to actually get the change achieved at that technical level that we want at that sort of headline level that that, that sue that sue has outlined uh, and that comes through uh, expertise in carefully drafting both the written and oral questions that sue spoke about the oral questions being when an mp stands up in the chamber of the house of commons and says to a minister when is this going to be sorted out or i have a constituent with this problem and it illustrates this wider point that the government needs to get to grips with luck of the draw with that though of course because uh, there are only about 20 oral questions per departmental question time a large number of uh, people putting in to uh, to ask those questions but of course uh, even more than the oral questions for departments there's the uh, there's the ultimate uh, lucky dip of uh, prime minister's questions um where even more huge numbers of mps put in so you you know you you only maybe get drawn for prime minister's questions once a year or once every 15 or 18 months or so on and so it was uh, particularly uh, uh, delightful that uh, i got drawn to ask the very first Prime Minister's question of the decade and indeed of the new administration in January 2020, just a couple of weeks after the the, uh, the general election. So question number one of Prime Minister's questions number one uh, was me and uh, I therefore uh, I'll say of course, but you know it was it was it was seemed to me to be the, the thing to do was to ask that very first PMQ about scrap six months. And of course, the benefit there is that you don't just have the relevant minister in attendance or a useful sprinkling of MPs. You've got virtually every MP either in the chamber or listening in. So it gives you a huge platform and you get on the television and you then get the sort of concomitant media interest and interviews that, that follow on from that. So I asked the prime minister about scrap six months uh, and then just to underline that cross-party work as well, uh, I mean, Drew Hendry, who's chairman of the all-party group on terminal illness, you know, is, is about as uh, as far away from me ideologically <laughs> and, and in almost every respect as you can imagine as an SNP uh, MP. But we did write a letter together to DWP on this. And again, this is where the all-party group and the association 
work out our tactics because sometimes speaking to ministers behind the scenes, having a private interview, I've had two or three now with both Secretary of State and Minister of State privately to talk about uh, uh, MND's uh, uh, campaigning and various uh, aspects, but including scrap six months. But every now and then, even though ministers would probably prefer that all of your meetings were in private, every now and then a, a public letter or a public question works. I have to say sometimes it doesn't because it can sometimes entrench a position you don't want mm -hmm. to be entrenched into, but you just have to pick your moments. And this is what I'm saying about um, uh, campaigning, that it isn't just sort of banners and marches and we demand this. There's a lot of sort of tactical thinking that needs to go behind it as well. Uh, and that may seem all very sort of house of cards and what have you, but it's about getting the result. And sometimes you have to box a bit clever to get the result you want. We pushed uh, DWP, but as uh, Sue was saying, that the, in government there's often a temptation to make a big announcement and then think that you've done the job. You know, we've announced that we're scrapping six months, great. Mm -hmm. And that's why, as well as United to act, to end MND and act to adapt and all the other work that we're doing, we still need to keep on with this because the, 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 the boring stuff in a way, but the vital stuff at the same time, which is the detail, the legislation, actually having these changes enacted as well as just announced, uh, still goes on. And that again is where this behind the scenes letter writing, slightly more sort of grinding work has to go on, as well as the important media splash and publicity work that we do as well. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. And I think I think where the APPG really comes in and the advice of MPs is helping in those tactics to to negotiate your way through the, the whys and wherefores of government. And as you say, sometimes it, it is about placards and it is about uh, going to going to 10 Downing Street. And other times it's about those quiet conversations that you have with people that you, you can do so effectively. So I think that makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah, um, really Sue's point was very interesting there about writing to, to parliamentary candidates. I mean, uh, and, and candidates for elections. I mean, I've, I've been a, a candidate for election nine times now uh, in, in every guy's going district, county, MEP, MP. Uh, and you, you do you do get a bit flooded with 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 stuff from from people when when you're a candidate, particularly if you're the city candidate or the person most likely to win. But all I'd say to campaigners is if you don't necessarily hear what you want to hear, don't be discouraged and do what Sue did and say to someone, well done, you know, you're in. So I appreciate that you've spent the last month knocking on doors and being on the road. And it, it's a bit difficult to keep on top of all the correspondence. But then when you're in, get in touch with, with the person who's been elected, because even if you haven't had a response or, or you haven't heard back from in a way that you would have wanted to do, they'll be very receptive at that point. And that's a good time to get in. I mean, you know, Motor Neuron Disease Association was brilliant at getting in to me really early when I was selected as the candidate for Northampton South, because you find yourself as a politician fairly full, fairly quickly. So the ones you've committed to early you, you, you commit to and then if someone comes along five months or nine months later then however worthy the cause is you, you're probably full you're probably in capacity and and that's the other point about our campaigns is to get in to get people to do commitments make things easy for them because they've got a dozen competing priorities every single day so they will be sympathetic but if you make it easy for them to express how sympathetic they are 
uh, that will only help our cause at the same time. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, that's really useful. That's really helpful. Um, Nicola, uh, I'd really love to talk to you about the United to End MND campaign because it very much was a campaign that was led by people with MND from the very beginning. Um, so I'd be really interested to hear about your experience of that and, and also because it's a campaign about research, why, why research is so important to you as, as an issue? I think research is important to many of us with MD, you know, probably for obvious reasons. It's the only way really that we'll see an end to this disease. Um, it gives many of us a lot of hope, particularly the point where research is at now, where we're seeing, you know, a lot of different avenues where scientists are looking to develop treatment. So it is an area that does give us real hope. Um, and you're right that so the United to End MD was started by two patients. Um, Lee Millard and Dave Setters and you know to be honest not many people could replicate what they did I don't think I certainly would have the gumption to go off and you know propose um, this sort of very ambitious campaign to really set up a research institute in the UK but I think to echo what Sue and Andrew have said the, a campaign is a really you know quite a broad uh, thing there are lots of elements to it where people can get involved in different parts of it so my background I used to work as a senior civil servant for a government department so that's really where I was able to bring that expertise in in thinking about how we contact civil servants so to echo what um, Sue and Andrew have said in terms of United to End MD we were in touch with multiple civil service teams we were in touch with lots of mps so for some patients they would be you know we, we had somebody whose mp was rishi sunak so that's fantastic uh, she went to talk to him a couple of times so there's lots of different ways people and and sort of um you know more manageable ways that people can get involved so particularly for patients you know many people with mnd are not very well you know they can't commit to getting involved in a long-term campaign but they can perhaps meet their MP or write to their MP or you know we we had a patient letter that I think did make a real impact where we had over 500 people with MND who signed the letter supporting our ask for 50 million pounds of new government funding into research and alongside that, people wrote a little bit about why that was important to them. And as a whole, that letter was incredibly moving. Um, and I think it did have a lot of impact um, in terms of the overall all campaign. And finally, getting the decision last November that the government would commit um, to that additional funding, um, which obviously has meant a lot to the community. Mm. It, it, yeah, it was a very extraordinary moment, I have to say. It was uh, coming at the weekend as it did, and I think yeah. everybody was uh, everybody was quite uh, in shock. I think initially because it did seem to come out of nowhere, but it, it was one of those those wonderful moments, like scrap six months, like and with that campaign, just just an extraordinary moment and a, a great credit to everybody who was involved with it. I think. Andrew, I know that that you've you've done a lot of work as well on on the United to End MND campaign alongside Nicola and and a lot of the other people living with MND. Can can you explain um, a little bit how about how you raised the profile of of the campaign in Parliament from from your 
um, experience? Yes. Um, I mean, again, uh, very much like Scrap Six Months, it was just carefully working with MNDA about who to target, who to write to, when to do it, when to when to to take advantage of the the fact that we got uh, you know we got uh, Dodie Weir and Rob Burrows and uh, and Stephen Darby as well, so we got you know rugby and, and sort of football covered, gave us an opportunity to to achieve a higher media profile, which then in turn got members of parliament's interest and uh, I think one of the key things to get across to to MPs was the fact that this that this that the, there's this expression moonshot about it all that kept coming up um, <laughs> and it was to, it was to try and sort of define that expression that, that this wasn't this wasn't an attempt for research funding that may or may not find something in that sort of graphene sense that you just sort of plunge into unknown research and hope something comes up. The, the point about the timing with the Research Institute and United to end, end, end MND was to build on and capitalise on very significant genetic research breakthroughs. So it, it, it was to get the sense into people's heads around Westminster that this wasn't just if we spend lots of money, we might find some sort of cure for MND. It was we've now got some very clear indications of what the route to finding cures and serious treatments are. So we know where we're going. So it's a moonshot in the sense of not just firing a rocket up into space, but saying there is the moon. We can actually see where it is, but we need to, you know, we need the rocket fuel to actually get us there. And um, as, a, as a result of that, I, I mean, we had a couple of MND uh, research briefings which were extremely well well attended. Uh, I mean again M uh, all party groups often have a sprinkling of MPs and then a lot of activists and a lot of people in the relevant charity or industry or, or campaigning field. This one uh, has achieved uh, both of those. Um, I wrote an article for the Daily Express and we had the Westminster Day of Action which again we, we coordinated very carefully to ensure that we maximise the publicity and we maximised the um, encounters that look like chance encounters but aren't, where we managed to get secretaries of state and ministers of state in front of people with MND and their carers so that they can actually hear those personal testimonies and stories, which is something that the, the all party group specialises in, that we actually do make sure that we have people with MND and people with their experience of MND telling their story and speaking about what their experiences are, not just hearing about it um, second or third hand. And it was, as a result of that, we had a huge splash. I say my own constituent, Emma, was with, was with us as well. And then it was almost like one of those sort of TV dramas because the, uh, the, the, the spending review came out that we were all hoping the announcement would be in. Uh, and it wasn't. And uh, I remember putting a sort of tweet together, which I put up, you know, no, this is not acceptable. We must, you know, this must happen. Let's keep pressing. Let's keep. And then just a few days later, separate from all the rest of the spending announcement, it came out as a as a standalone. And, you know, so it was almost like that sort of TV drama moment where you build up to something and it doesn't happen. And then suddenly, just at the last minute, it, it pulled off. But much like Scrap Six Months, We've got the announcement of the funding and again that technical grind, that detail of yes, fine, but when's the money actually arriving and how are we going to, you know, arrange its allocation and how much 
flexibility are the university research departments and MNDA going to have over how it's all set up and so on? That's still going on. So again, as with Scrap Six Months, we got there in terms of the announcement. That's the key bit for us then to say, fine, but where's the detail? When's it actually going to happen? So much like our other campaigns, this one still goes on in a different way uh, as well. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I, I do think, um, I don't know if Nicola wants to comment, but I think that day on the 21st of September last year uh, was a real coming together of all those constituent parts to make it happen, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, it was It was really amazing. And I think, um, you know, to be involved and to see the commitment of Andrew and all these other MPs who've got, you know, enormous demands on their time and to see them make the time to come and, you know, sit with us to learn about the campaign, particularly I think Andrew's commitment, you know, as he's just said, is we've got the announcement, but it's not over. He's still mm. supporting us, advising us, helping us to make sure we get this money in the way that we want it. So it is um, you know, it's a tremendously rewarding thing to be involved in. I think for me, you know, I don't quite know where MND will leave me, but it's given huge meaning for me to be involved in this sort of campaign, you know, given mm -hmm. meaning for me in terms of sort of having the disease. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's so important, isn't it, for people like and many people that I've met as campaigners for us over the years have said that to me actually about this. This it it really gives you hope. It gives you a real commitment to the cause, and it is. Uh, I think as Sue said, it's an amazing community. It never ceases to amaze me as a community. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. 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 Thank Thank you to to all of you really for the for sharing your stories on how you've got involved in campaigning um, for the M&D Association, but also for, you know, um, your parts that you've played in it, because um, yeah, you've all, you're all coming from completely different um, angles and, and stories. But um, together, I think what you've proved is that, that we can raise a bigger voice and, and make, make a bigger impact um, for, for all people affected and or living with with MND. So thank you for, yeah, thank you again for kind of sharing your experience and and hopefully, you know, inspiring other people um, to, to come and join us, to come and join that voice and, and try and um, move things forward and, and join our other campaigns. Uh, yeah, thank you all. And uh, to everyone who's listening, um, thank you for listening to the podcast today. Um, if you'd like to be kept up to date with our campaigning work, you can sign up to our campaign network, which already has over 9,000 members. It's completely free and you can find the link to sign up in the description of this episode. And if you have been inspired um, by by Sue, Nicola and Andrew today, and you'd like to become a dedicated campaigns volunteer, please, please, please email um, campaigns at mndassociation.org. Or again, check out the link in our description of the podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to MND Matters, a podcast from the MND Association. Find more information at mndassociation.org. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, contact our helpline MND Connect on 0808 802 6262 or email mndconnect at mndassociation.org.